0: Grateful and humbled by Wayland's really kind words, very gracious words, but here's the reality. It's only because of the support and goodwill of this congregation for me to be able to go elsewhere and preach and teach that I am able to go elsewhere and preach and teach to the degree that I am. So, to the shepherds of this congregation, thank you. And to you as members of the church here at Westside who see preaching as something that needs to be done beyond the walls of this congregation and building, thank you. It couldn't be done without a co-worker like Adam who has a great spirit and a wonderful heart and we are blessed to have him and the elders adopt a similar approach toward his outside speaking and we're thankful for that. Healthy churches have godly shepherds who love the great shepherd. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. That passage refers to Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep. Now think of the statement again. Healthy churches have godly shepherds who love Jesus the great shepherd. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. This will be the third and final lesson I'm doing about elders, about shepherds, at least for a while. And the whole purpose has been to, to state as simply and concisely as possible what elders are all about. In passages like 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4... And Acts 20, verses 17 through 38, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, Acts 20, verses 17 through 38, you have three designations for overseers. In churches of Christ, we typically speak of only one, probably 75 to 90% of the time. That being elders. Elders. Elders are to be men of maturity and judgment. That follows by the very nature of the term. They are individuals that we believe to be mature chronologically and spiritually and they also are men of good judgment. It can be seen by their lives. The second term is overseer. Overseer. Overseers are known for their watchfulness and their stewardship. Their watchfulness and their stewardship. It adds another dimension when we look at this particular term to serving in the position of a spiritual leader in the church, the eldership, if you will. That brings me to the third term. That term being shepherd. Man of compassion and heart. So anytime we're thinking about shepherds in the Lord's church, we should be thinking of individuals of maturity and good judgment. Individuals who oversee the church and do so as a sacred trust, a stewardship. And men of compassionate Caring hearts, men of heart. Now last Sunday night, I looked at four questions with you. You know, you can look at all of the qualifications of elders like in passages such as 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 and Titus 1, 5-9. And typically when we are looking for additional elders or studying the eldership, What we do is look at those qualifications one by one, and there's a place for that. But we're trying to keep everything simple and concise. And so basically what I've done is taken the qualifications for leaders in the church for those who would oversee and looked at eight questions about these men. We looked at four last Sunday evening. We'll look at those four quickly by way of review. We'll look at four more questions, and then I'll conclude with four humble suggestions for those that serve as shepherds and the churches they oversee. Here was the first question. Anytime that churches are looking for additional leaders, this question needs to be asked. Does he humbly desire the work. That's First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. It's not a political process, so a person is not running for elder, though occasionally you get the impression that that may be going on. The humble desire to serve. There will be a sense of humility and inadequacy on the one hand, and yet the sincere desire to help the church be more healthy and strong and growing on the other. That is the type of individual for which we ought to look. Secondly, does he have a God centered marriage? Does he have a God centered marriage? If the present leaders of the church were to bring in that man's wife, would they say, that woman, would she say about her husband, he really seeks to love me the way that Jesus loves the church. He's selfless and sacrificial. He cares for me like he would his own body. You see, those who serve as elders are to be one woman Men, that one woman being their wife. First Timothy three, verse two. Third question. Does his family positively respond to his spiritual leadership? Does his family positively respond to his spiritual leadership? First Timothy three verses four through six, especially. If a man knows not how to manage his own house, how can he manage the house of God, the church? That brings me to the fourth question. Since we looked at these in some uh, brief detail last Sunday, I will not elaborate. But the fourth question, how long has this man been a Christian and how much has he grown Some people have been Christians for five years, but it seems like they've been Christians for 20. They've grown so much. And some people have been Christians for 20 years. It seems like they've been Christians for five. You don't want the latter in the leadership. You want the former. I think of Hiram Kemp, who is a preacher of the gospel that was recently with us for a gospel meeting. He's been a Christian for 12 years and a preacher for 6. Kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen when he gets 20 or 25 years under his belt. Amen? Amen. We should look for people who grow and their growth is evident. Of anyone who ministers or serves First Timothy four fifteen and 16, that your progress may be evident to all that your progress spiritually may be evident to all. I think that applies to those who would serve as elders as much as anyone else. Now four more questions. Four more questions regarding the qualifications, and this would be Titus 1, 5 through 9, and 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 especially, but not limited solely to those two passages. When we talk about elders in the church, those who would shepherd our souls... Do they, number one for tonight, out of four questions, do they consistently display godly self-control? Do they consistently display godly self-control, self-discipline? And by that I mean when you look at 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2, you see words like temperate, and self-controlled, temperate and self-controlled. This person doesn't fly off the handle. There is a display of self-control in every area of their lives. Their words, their actions, their temper, their disposition... Self-discipline. And the idea is this individual has so learned from the great shepherd, the good shepherd Jesus, John 10, 11 through 18, that Jesus is rubbed off on him and he is ready to oversee God's people in a local setting question number 2 from tonight does does he show that he keeps the main thing the main thing does this leader potentially show in everything he does that he keeps the main thing the main thing to love to serve, to obey, to honor God. To love, to serve, to honor, to obey God. And that's what this overseer is all about. Whether you elder or oversee or shepherd, whatever you do... Do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 with some changes intentionally made. But godly leaders, godly elders seek to do just that. And I've been talking with our daughter Karen quite a lot lately about how what is primary and preeminent often can become secondary and put toward the bottom of a top ten list. And when a home does that, it can be devastating. When a school does that, it can be heartbreaking. When a country does that, it can be just terrible. Think about when leaders of the church do that and the effect, the impact it can have on the church when what is secondary becomes primary and what is primary gets lost in the listing. What is primary will always be to love and serve and honor and obey our God and to see every soul as precious in His sight. Those who are shepherds Who are overseers in a local setting ought to be the embodiment of that. Number three, how does this man relate to others and respond to difficulties? How does this man relate to others and respond to difficulties? That's a good question to ask of any prospective elder. Not soon angry. Not greedy for filthy lucre. Not puffed up with pride lest he should fall into the snare and reproach of the devil. There are a variety Of qualifications that relate to how a shepherd will relate to other people. How about hospitable? And how a shepherd will relate to difficulties in life. Number four. how does he deal how does he deal with matters that can undermine his leadership cloud his judgment and hurt the church the question ought to be asked of any elder who would serve How does he deal with matters that would undermine his leadership, cloud his judgment, and hurt the church? Not given to wine. Apt to teach. Able to convict those that are in sin. Titus 1 verses 6 through 9. Using the word faithfully and well. Well. These are all matters of some very weighty consequence. Now those four humble suggestions to shepherds and the churches they oversee. Humble suggestion number one. As one who as a local preacher has served under 67 different men... I feel that I can humbly speak to shepherds and to the churches they oversee. We must respect what the Bible says about the plurality of elders. The Bible does not endorse a head bishop over a congregation. And when we consider the plurality of elders, by that I mean more than one, we are thinking that both of them or however many are in a local church, five, six, ten, whatever we're talking about, they are biblically qualified men who each bring a unique perspective and set of life circumstances to the table. They need to be considerate of one another as shepherds, and of their backgrounds and perspectives. And those of us in the church must be careful not to have a favorite elder we always run to, but to appreciate and respect the fact there's a plurality of elders. Now, it shouldn't be too hard with two right now. All I'm saying is ask Terry one time, ask Lynn the next time. Ask Lynn one time, ask Terry the next. They probably would appreciate that. While you maybe feel closer to one than the other, and I don't know that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but we must respect what the Bible says about the plurality of elders and that they each bring something wonderful and important to leading God's people. Not every elder is exactly the same, any more than (laughs) preachers are exactly the same. But we can still respect the plurality of elders in the local setting. Number two, talking to elders humbly and to the churches they oversee. A second suggestion, humbly made. Avoid the 20% off principle avoid the 20% off principle and by that I mean as years go by and as elders are selected men are often appointed who are 20% less than their predecessors they're 20% off as far as qualifications go as far as the qualifications of the preceding elders What happens, Seth Sawyer, whenever you get down to being 60 or 80% off of what former elders were? Does that really honor the Lord and please Him? What does that do to the qualifications? And what we would not tolerate in preachers, sometimes we put in as elders. And I do not understand that. So when the time comes that additional shepherds are added here at Westside, let's encourage good men. Let's understand that they'll learn some on the job, but they need to be qualified when they are appointed. Humble suggestion number three. I believe that A biblically qualified, credentialed counselor should be kept on retainer by churches these days. I think it would be wonderful if we could find a Christian with an academic background and solid as a rock biblically that could come to this area, to the Permian Basin. They would have all of the counseling possibilities that they could possibly respond to. One of the things that I have discovered personally as a preacher for a long time is it doesn't take too long to get above my, my pay grade, my, my level, because there's hurting people out there, really hurting, deep. And elders are seeing that. Yes, elders are really good counselors. But one of the greatest qualities of a good counselor is to know when to refer to somebody else. Therefore, it might be something to consider for the future, especially with what we've gone through with COVID, what we're hearing about in the world nowadays. And most people are not as optimistic as they'd like to be for churches to think ahead. And maybe even come together and say, We will keep this counselor on retainer for families and individuals that might need that type of specialized care. Humble suggestion number four. Shepherds, like any other Christians may have to acknowledge that they were wrong from time to time. Christians, like anyone else, may need to acknowledge that they were wrong from time to time. I've mentioned this before while preaching, and it's because it broke my heart so much. A church that I love dearly, at a point in time had its preacher guilty of sexual sin, and not just the preacher, the youth minister as well. One who was ministering to young people, sexual sin. And they sent a letter out to a number of us, and it began this way. You know our reputation for soundness in the faith and for the old paths. It seems to me that that was about as wrong-headed a way to begin a letter as possible when you've got that kind of sin in the camp. Wouldn't it have been better to acknowledge this happened on our watch? And we ask you to pray for us as we work through it that we will rely on the good Lord and His grace and strength to see us through. We want you to pray for us daily and for our healing. And the reason why you do this is, you know, I think that there are elders that are just like everybody else. If they're caught in a mistake, the first thing they do is kind of burr up. And their backbone gets kind of stiff and their neck seems to get thicker and their skull is even thicker. And they become defensive. I don't believe that that's right for preachers. And more than one preacher does it. And I don't believe it's right for any Christian. And so rather than be reactive, it might be better that elders respond because they're making decisions in matters of judgment. How many of you would have liked to have been in Lynn and Terry's shoes over the last two years? You may not have understood every decision they made, but I am here to tell you that they prayed and thought and cried and worried and wondered about what to do next. And it's a lot easier to follow somebody that does that. What I am saying is you may not be privy to all that went on behind the scenes. Be careful about your disagreements. And further, I have heard this leadership in my time here on more than one occasion say humbly, we missed it. I believe I recall Lynn saying that not very many months ago. We thought we were doing the right thing, but we want to do this now. A leadership that is humbly willing to say, we want to do what's in the best interest of the church, and we believe that we were not doing that for a moment, and now we want to do it again. Please forgive us. I believe we need to hold their hands up high, and we need to love them and respect them for their work's sake. These are humble suggestions to shepherds and to the churches they oversee. Thank you for listening. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement tonight. Should there be anyone here that needs to come to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can have your sins washed away by Christ's blood. You can be added to the church of Jesus Christ, the church we read about in the New Testament. And for those of us who are Christians, I would encourage you to pray for our leaders, our spiritual leaders, our elders, and hold their hands up high. Because good churches are overseen by godly shepherds who follow the great shepherd, Jesus. Let us stand and sing.